Well, good morning. We are a little ways into this message series where we're looking in the Bible at the life of a man named Paul who had extreme influence in his world. And, and he was a part of a group of Christ followers who turned the world upside down as they were starting churches, as they were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and calling people to follow him as the Lord, the, the leader of their life. And, and before Paul committed his life to follow Christ, before Christianity for Paul, he saw Christianity and Christians in particular as a huge threat. And so what he did was he did all that he could to eliminate that threat by trying to round up and then punish and persecute Christians in the middle of the first century. But in the midst of that, God got a hold of his life and he was converted. He, just, uh, he yielded his life to follow Christ completely. He didn't hold anything um, back. And what happened with Paul's life is God gave him an, an assignment to be a person who would be the instrument to reach the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world. And as Paul made himself available to God, there was really no limit as to how, how large the scope of his ministry would be. There was no limit to how much God could do through his life as he just made himself available. And so that is true of us as well. Like, if we make ourselves available to God and we say, God, there's, I, I'm willing to do what you say. I, I want to yield my life to you. There really is no limit as to what he can do through our lives. And so, here's a picture of the scope of Paul's ministry. All of this is like the Roman, in the heart of the Roman Empire. You see Italy there, and you have Greece, and then you have Turkey and the Mediterranean. And the, the, over to the far right of that map is kind of where Israel would be and where the, um, where, you know, for Paul, things started with his conversion, which is over in, in that area that we might call Palestine. And then, then it began that he went on these different missionary journeys. So there was these three journeys of him as he was taking the gospel message around throughout the Roman Empire. And, and God just chose to use Paul in this way to really influence his world in a major way. And really, we, we can ask this question, what was the secret to his influence? What was the secret to Paul's influence? How do, how do you have that, you know, that, that type of a ministry to where um, you're sharing this message and people's lives are actually uh, being changed? What, what does that look like? How could we experience that? You know, whether that influence that, that we're to have really is influence on our street, on our block, or in our city... Where do, we, where do we get that kind of influence? And so that's what I really want to look at. What was that? If there was a secret power source, can, can you tell us what that is, Paul? And so I want to look at some stories from, a story from his life and then some of his instructions on where this power really comes from. Well, how, how, how was he able to do all that God did through him? First example I want to use is from Acts chapter 16. If you, if you brought a Bible, you can flip there. Acts 16. And this is not in your listening guide, but... Um, I'm just going to read through it a little bit, tell you a little bit about a story where you see the secret to Paul's influence, okay? And here's some of the background of the story leading up to kind of the, the climax of the story. But Paul and his ministry partner, Silas, they crossed into Europe, okay, from Asia into Europe. The Lord led them to do this, and they arrive in a town called Philippi. And Philippi was a Roman colony. It was one of the leading cities in that district of Macedonia. And so they arrive in this, in this town. It's a very influential town. It has some military 
advantages because of its location close to the sea. Uh, there was, you know, medical schools already there. There were, there was a strong economy in place. It was a modern city for that for its time. But one thing that it really lacked was the city of Philippi lacked Christians and also lacked churches. And so God led Paul there to get something started. And there, there wasn't even a synagogue. A synagogue, a synagogue is a Jewish place of worship. And in order to have a synagogue, you needed to have ten males, ten Jewish males, in order to form a Jewish place of worship. There wasn't even much Jewish influence in Philippi when Paul and Silas got there. Uh, so he, he went there looking for synagogue, discovered there wasn't a synagogue. And so then he just began looking to see where people were gathering. And he, he goes to this place where people are praying. And he, and he meets this lady, and her name is Lydia. And Lydia is described as a God-fearing woman. So she believed in God. She hadn't yet heard the message of Jesus, but she believed in God. And she was, she was really, God was ripening up her heart. So Paul came and began to share with her. And, and God opened her heart to receive the message of Jesus Christ. And she's like, I, I want this. And so she said, would you come and would you share this message with my family? And so Paul and Silas... Paul and his kind of ministry team went to this gal's house and shared with the rest of her family. And everybody in the, in the household believed that Jesus was the Son of God and was their Savior and yielded their lives to Him as Lord. And they all said, we want to get baptized. We want to, we want to, you know, we want to demonstrate that we have committed our lives to Him. And so they get baptized. And so, now that's a great start in this town. Okay, where there is no Christian influence, no, not even much of a Jewish influence there. That's a great start for ministry in, in Europe. And that's, that's kind of the beginning of Paul um, moving into a, a, a new region. So Paul decides to stay in that town. Now he's this missionary taking this message of, of hope. And he decides to stay in this town for a few days and spend several days going back to that same place of prayer where he had met Lydia to see if any other people would go there praying. And so he's doing this. He's hoping for more encounters with people like her. And that's where the story gets really intense. So I want you to Pick up in Acts 16, verse 16. Okay, So it says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So there's this, there's this little girl who has a, a, an evil spirit inside of her. And she has the power because of that spirit to tell people's fortunes. And so some people were profiting off this little girl and what... And the power that she held. So that's, that's what's going on. This little girl kind of meets them in the road. And she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now the Spirit is, is enabling, this, this uh, evil spirit is enabling this to go on. So she, through this little girl, you know, the Spirit is crying out, This is who this man is. He's, he's telling you the way of salvation. Verse 18, and this she just kept doing for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, he gets to the point where he's like tired of this little girl following them around, taunting them. He turns around and he says to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. Now this is, this is great for the little girl. <laughs> but, look what happens. Verse 19, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. 
They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Then the crowd joined in attacking them with the ma- and the magistrates tore the garments off of you know, Paul and his team and gave orders to beat them with rods. So imagine like a, uh, a baton. Okay? So they get roughed up by the crowd. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, the jailer put them in the inner stock, like that, that's the maximum you know, security part of their little prison, and, and fastened their feet in the stock. So they're, they're chained in. Okay? Now what would you do at this point? You're obeying Jesus. If you're, if you're Paul, you're obeying the Master. You take the message, you have this... This high point, this whole family comes to know Jesus Christ. You're like, man, God, you're, you're in this. And, and this, let's, I can't wait to see what tomorrow holds. You go to the same place. And then this whole thing happens. And then you get beaten up. And you're not just talking like, you know, stop it. There wasn't much of a, you know, um, time, you know, for a trial and all of these things to go on. And they were just roughed up, beaten up. So here they are in prison, bloodied beaten up, they're, they're more than likely sore, what would you do? How would you respond in that situation? Would you be like, if you're part of that team, Paul, what have you gotten us into? Would you start taking it out on Paul or just start trying to figure out like a solution? Like maybe if, if, we, if we all, you know, maybe we can break our chains if we rub them against this door. Maybe we can, you know, here's our plan for talking to the to the to the officials tomorrow or you know you don't know if you're going to live or die they just beat you up you're not really sure this is brand new territory verse 25 this is what they did about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners in there were listening to them that's the response praying and singing hymns they're praising God 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 thank you you're worthy They, they kind of counted this as a Badge of honor to be suffering for Jesus. And suddenly, and then God responds, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. God responded. They prayed, they sang hymns, and God responded. Verse 27, when the jailer, he woke up, because it's the middle of the night, you know, it's after midnight, and he saw that the prison doors were open. He thought, oh, something happened, I'm in trouble. So he drew, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped, because he would have been held responsible. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights. He rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, the jailer. He took them to his house and he washed their wounds. He had probably been a part of inflicting those, the beatings. He took them and he washed their wounds. And now he's baptized by them, he and his household. Then he brought them up into his house and he set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is an amazing story of God's power. And from this story in Paul's life, you get this reality, you get the reality of a situation. This was like another day in Paul's life though. This happened over and over. There was opposition, there was um, persecution that he experienced, 
There was points where he was, people threw rocks at him in order to kill him. You know, stoned him to death, drug him outside of the city, left him for dead. There was other, you know, there was other points where he experienced whippings. And so you get this, you get this picture, this kind of window into Paul's situation. He's in a position where he is far outside of his comfort. He's way beyond help. And all he could do was really turn to God in prayer. And have you ever been in a position like that where you experience something, uh, you're just out in the deep end and you're, you're far from your resources in your, in your life. And you just begin to appeal to a power beyond yourself. And you, you may not even know if anyone is listening, but you start just saying, God, if you're out there. And some of you, if you've decided to follow Christ, then you're, you're praying to God. And you're just, God, would you help me? I believe you're real. You're involved in this. But I need your help right now. I've heard many of, of your, your stories. And, and, and th- this past July, I was on a trip. And I was on a trip encouraging pastors in, in the remote areas of, of the Guatemalan jungle. And, and I was dealing with dehydration and then just fatigue. And we had done a really hard day of hiking the day before, and I was just I was um, just totally out of energy. And the next morning, we get up real early. They they woke us up really early because we needed a journey to another village, and it was a 12 mile hike. And they said yesterday's hike was was um, was kind of like a sea level hike, but for us, it felt like the hardest hike we'd done. <laughs> and they said today's going to be like an A level. It's the hardest hike that that we're going to do. So, but today's yesterday was eight miles. Today's 12 miles. So. You know, we eat our, our morning food, which is, is um, corn tortillas and some soup. And then um, we, right away, it's like, all right, time to go. And it's super early in the morning. And uh, we join hands. And the guy who was leading us said, let's just pray. So we, we gathered to pray. And, and the, the tradition there was when you pray, everybody prayed out loud. So one person started, but then everyone joined in out loud. And so my prayer was pretty much like this. It was like, God, I am so tired. And I don't know how I'm going to do this today. If this is going to be hard. Like, God, I just need, I need your help right now. And I just prayed for help. And I kept praying for help. I need help, God. I need supernatural strength to do this. So we say amen. And as soon as they say amen, this guy standing beside me who lives in the village there, real big guy, shorter than me, but just really strong, stout guy. He like, I reach down to grab my pack, and he reaches down, and he grabs it for me, and he says, I'm going to, you know, he tells me in, in, his, in Spanish, this is going to be my honor to, to carry this for you. And uh, he carried it seven miles for me that day, out of this, pretty much uphill for those seven miles. They had all sorts of flooding, and so they had macheted a new trail through the jungle to get us out of this one village, but it wasn't like your, you know, pleasure cruise. It was, it was uphill, under, under you know, obstacles and muddy and swampy looking and it it was just a uh, it was a strange experience but God provided and as as this guy picks up my pack and he puts it on and one by one they did that to all of us pastors that were there everybody that was there was was helped in this way by the people that lived there Um, because we came there to encourage them and they just felt like this is a great honor to to do this for you men and he puts my pack on and we just head up the trail and I'm just rejoicing. I'm just thanking God. God, you met my need. Like, you didn't have to do that. I mean, I probably wouldn't have died if I had to carry this thing 12 miles, but you, you, you really provided. 
Another time, a couple years ago, my, my middle son, and I shared this story as well, but my middle son, he has a nut allergy, and we were at a wedding uh, that I was performing down in San Diego area. We were, about, we were on a farm, like in a farming town, about 30 minutes from kind of a, a town that had a hospital, and we're at this wedding, uh, rehearsal dinner. We're eating food for the rehearsal dinner, and my kids are there, and, and my one son, he walks over to the dessert table because he wants to eat, and he has a nut allergy, and he knows not to eat things that are peanutty and, you know, things like that. He walks over to this table, and there's a spread of cookies, and he's cookies. Mm. And so he's, it's like his dad who loves dessert, and so he's looking around, and he asks a, a, another little boy, like, hey, does that have nuts in it? Because his kid's enjoying this one white cookie, little white chocolate chips on it. You don't trust another little boy to tell you if there's... <laughs> if it's safe to eat that. So anyway, he trusted this kid. It was a white chocolate macadamia nut cookie. And uh, he eats it. He swallows it. It's in his teeth. Right away he comes over. And he's he just, he's got it in his, you can see it all over his mouth. And he's starting to turn red. And he's got the cookie in his hand. And, and, and we're like, oh no, oh no. And it had only happened a few times before to where he had actually gotten into cookie, or into nuts. And uh, he is... I guess he would have been about seven at that point. He started just moaning and groaning, and so we took him kind of away from where everybody was at, and we just let him get, you know, he got sick, and, and, and we thought, okay, he's probably fine now. We gave him some uh, Benadryl. Typically, that just takes care of it. He wasn't getting any better, and so we're like, well, we should go. So we, we head back to where we were staying, and we get to the house where we were staying with some, with some friends, and we're just watching him just decline and decline and decline. And I'm online, like, I don't know if we should, I don't know what we should do. We had an EpiPen, I wasn't really sure. I don't know if you've been a parent having to deal with the EpiPen experience, but it's, it's a little frightening, you know, to stick your kid with a needle and to not be a doctor yourself. And so, like, is this the right time? And what do we, where do we put it? In? And so I'm, I'm Googling frantically, like asking Google for help, you know, and, and, uh, it's like everything you read is go to the hospital, go to the hospital. So, okay, we need to go to the hospital. So he's, he's gagging, he's, he's, red and he's also getting really drowsy and not not breathing well and so it's like oh gosh oh gosh and so hop in the car hospitals just practically like two blocks down the street i get in there run up in there and i got my my son and he's like fading in and out of just sleepiness which um and i said he's got a nut allergy and they rush us in and i'm running through the hall with him and i'm i'm crying out to god for help god just please help us I don't think I was ever quite as scared as that. It shook me up. And the ER doctor came over, and we, they got us in a bed, and I was holding my son, and he's just, he's totally out of it at this point. And, uh, and the doctor just, I'm praying, I'm just, you know, and I'm, I'm trying not to freak out, but I, I was texting people like, pray for us right now. Some, some folks here, and, and uh, this is what's going on. And the doctor came over and he just put his hand on my shoulder and he just said, hey, dad, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm at 30 seconds from now. He's going to be fine. And within a few seconds, they come over, they stick him with a shot and just like, oh, you just see this immediate response in his body. And just his breathing opened up, the cough stopped. And then he, he was like, you know, alert as well. And then they brought another shot and he freaked out over the sh- next, second shot because <laughs> he saw that one coming. <laughs> and, uh, but have you ever hit those points where you're, you're just beyond, you, you realize I am beyond 
resources here. I can't fix this. This is beyond human power. I need, I need something outside of myself. You see this a lot in movies. We actually have a video clip here. We're going to show you where this lady, she's about to die. She's facing her death. It's Sandra Bullock in the movie Gravity. And she has this conversation with God. And she, she's, she's calling out to him. Let's watch. I know we're all gonna die. Everybody knows that. But I'm gonna die today. It's funny that, you know, to know. But the thing is, is that I'm still scared. I'm really scared. Nobody will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. Will you mourn for me? Will you say a prayer for me? Or is it too late? Uh, I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life. So Nobody ever taught me how. She's like the... You know, she's this. She doesn't believe in God. She's, but here she is. She's, God, if you're there, I need you. You know, that I think this represents a crossroad that many of us face, which is is, it's this point here at the top. You're listening. Our human power is limited as we deal with the complexities of life. Our intellect, our, our our problem-solving skills, our emotions, our big ideas. Human power is limited as we deal with the complexities of life. And so Paul, he had limits, so he just kept turning to God. When he was in prison, it's no accident. He's, you know, they were turning to God. God, they were praying and they're singing praises. And then God comes through. And Paul, he just shows us. He shows us. Where does prayer show up? Number one, prayer is needed in times of trouble. It's needed in times of trouble. Look at Second Corinthians 1, verses 8-11. through 11. Paul wrote this to another church. For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. Then He says, You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This passage is packed full of perspective, but mainly Paul's conclusion is verse 9. If you look back at verse 9, when facing death, the perspective is that situation of death, facing death, was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And Paul in his life, if you read through the book of Acts, you see so many examples of this man praying through difficulty because he was pushed to that point. He's like right on the edge of his death several, on several occasions. And you just see this. Prayer is needed in times of trouble. But it shouldn't just be reserved for dire times. In fact, prayer is continually needed no matter what you face. 
Prayer is continually needed, no matter what you face. Throughout the day, check out Paul's perspective, 1 Thessalonians 5. He says to one church, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This seems like a far-fetched idea. How do you do this, Paul? I read this and it's... Rejoice all the time, pray all the time, give thanks in everything. How do you really do that? Some of you have faced some real, real difficult things in your lives. How do you do that? How do you talk to God that much? How could, how could I keep that kind of constant conversation? Think, think, of, think of how you do that with cell phones. Think of how, how much you can text. Do you text a lot? I'm sure some of you do. Before texting, would you ever have thought that you would have been on your phone sending messages so often? How many messages do you think you send throughout the day? Anybody think they're, I don't know, at 100? Anybody over 100? Probably. I mean, you can, you can send out, you know, 30, 40 messages in a few minutes, can't you? There's this constant opportunity. It's easy, it's quick, it's... You know, and if you enjoy the conversation, you're just getting connected and you get caught up with people. And this is like Paul's like, he just kept he just kept turning to God. He's talking to God both in the troubling times and then just all the time. He says, Rejoice all the time. Pray continually. Talk to God all through your day. Give thanks in everything. There's not an occasion where you shouldn't be talking to God. He's saying, Yet for so many of us, prayer is is a last resort. Even even when we're beyond ourselves. But the key shift that you see in Paul, he's describing moving from turning to God as a last resort to just turning to God first. If, if we could develop that reflex of God, I need you right now. If we just turn to Him first. When something comes to your mind that you're worried about, if you just pray about it. When somebody comes to your mind that you're concerned about, if the, if the reflex would be to pray for them. Or when you're frustrated, if the reflex would be, I'm just going to pray. Many of you know we were just uh, we just completed an office build out over in the Mission Grove area, and so we moved our offices, our church offices, from Canyon Crest to the Mission Grove area. It's, it's much closer to this location, and the space is is much larger. We've got we probably quadrupled our our usable space, and now beyond the offices, we also have a training space available that we can probably gather around 75 to 100 people for, for training or for meetings, seminars, things like that. And, you know, with any project, there's unseen costs, right? You know, if you've ever tried to build something in your house, or doing, there's unseen costs. And so at one point, probably three or four weeks ago, I got an email, and it was somewhat of a startling email. It was kind of a downer email. It was like, it was kind of like a tell everyone, stop spending money email, you know, and, and, and it wasn't worded like that, but it was like a, we're not in a great spot. And so we've got some bills that are mounting from this build out and we've got to pay these things off. And there's a lot coming up with the Orange Crestival that we're planning. And so um, here's a summary of the, the, what's been spent on this build out so far. And, and as I looked at the email, I was grateful that, well, for, well, for one, I, w- I was thinking about my response is going to be really important here. My reply, the reply all button, and what I put on that is going to be really important. Here's an opportunity to choose faith right now. And so um, I replied and I said to, to these folks that were attached to that email, just something of the effect of God. We've seen God come through in the past, and I look forward to seeing how God's going to come through again. 
And let's just pray, see what God does. And so send it off. Immediately I turn at my desk and I just I start praying. God, you know this need, you know where we're at, would you provide for this? And as I was praying the prayer, um, I got a text from a couple, from a member, uh, a couple who are members of our church. And they sent me this text, and here's what it read. It said, Hi Josh, we want to give some money to offset the cost of the new church offices. How should we go about giving to the cause? I was literally praying for that. They would have had no way to know that, that I had received that email and that I could have been fretting. Or... And I replied, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was literally praying right now and asking our staff to pray for this. And their reply was, that's encouraging. A little emoticon, I think. <laughs> there wasn't an emoticon to express how I was feeling at that point about what God had provided and i told my kids the story when i got home i get i got you you gotta listen to what happened to me today i was praying for something specific and and here's what happened and and they're like wow imagine guys it's like god it's like he's our dad in that you could go up to your dad and just kind of tug on his shirt and say dad dad you know come play catch with me or, or dad can you help me with this and I'm just picturing, I was describing, it's like dad, it's like, I was tugging on God's shirt saying, hey, God, here's what's, here's what's on my mind right now, here's, and I was talking to God, and then it's like, God said, okay, hold on, and he, he goes and he taps someone on the shoulder to meet the need. I was like, wow, God has the ability to do that. So I, I don't know how that works, that blows my mind, the mysteries of God. Coincidence? Nope. I mean, I... I've seen this happen too many times. Not just in my life, but this is a faith walk. And, and I, I can't see miles ahead if I'm in a faith walk. He has called us to walk by faith, not by sight. And, and when you're walking by faith, you don't have the ability to see. God, how, how is this all going to come together before I take these steps to trust you? That's, he doesn't give us that, that privilege. He says, I'll, I'll show you just enough to move you forward in faith again. And I'll provide. You rely on me. And God, He just He He's proven over and over. I just He just wants me to turn to Him. And as as we learn to do this, as you learn to do this, your prayer life grows. And looking at the way Paul lived his life, you realize that prayer was his power source. That was the secret to Paul's influence. Was he depended on God? Prayer fuels these two things: our spiritual growth. It fuels your spiritual growth, and it also fuels your influence. If you want to have influence, like Paul, then you need to pray. You won't have that type of influence. You won't have a scope of ministry. You won't, you won't see God work and, and move if in your own human power you're trying to pull that off and figure that out. I've included an insert I want to draw your attention to. It's an insert called A Prayer Guide for Others. For ourselves and others. A summary of Paul's prayers. And there, there we've listed six of Paul's prayers to the churches. That he, that you find these in the letters, in his letters to these churches. And you can use these to focus your own prayer life for yourself and for those around you. I've used these through the years, some of these, as I pray specifically for people. And I just, sometimes I'll just insert a person's name in place of, of the people that Paul is praying for. And I'll just personalize these prayers. Or I'll build off of these prayers. And it gives me some focus and some direction. But if I'm praying for someone who's making decisions, if someone I know and care about is making decisions, I might pray Ephesians, or Philippians 1, 9 through 11. This is my prayer 
that let's say I'm praying for a guy named Chris that Chris that I, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that Chris may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ or you know I can just insert friends, family, people's names, or our church. If I'm talking about our church or praying for something, I can just personalize that. Now, I don't have to do that. There's nothing magical about this. But there's a focus that this gives me when I feel like, God, I don't know what to pray. Well, the Bible actually supplies the vocabulary many times for us for how we are to pray for people. When making decisions, when confidence is needed. Do you need confidence? Pray this. You're heading into a scary meeting. Just to God, (laughs) for this reason, I bow my knees... Before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, I might be granted strength through your power, through your Spirit, in my inner being, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that I might be filled with all the fullness of God. I can personalize this prayer for myself and ask God in faith, to bring this to pass when understanding is needed for the best outcomes flip to the back for open doors to share Christ this just these are just guides for how we're to pray how we can pray but Paul he set the example and then he lived it out you know, he said he said it as he lived it out but then he instructed people he gave us templates even for how we're to be depending upon God I've invited to Bruce uh, I've invited Bruce Wood to come up he's our associate pastor and I wanted to have him share some things that he was sharing with me yesterday. We were coming back from a trip. We were out of state, and as we were driving back from the airport, he shared just some of the uh, details related to the Orange Festival and just things he's uh, been asking God for help in. So, This topic of prayer is something that I've been wrestling with as long as I've been a Christian, I guess, because... It's easy to talk about it on a Sunday morning when you're at church and like, yeah, prayer, you know, pray more. But really figuring out over the years as I try to walk with God, how to build it into my daily life. Like, how do I, how do I actually pray and what do I pray for? And, and honestly, the question I ask myself a lot is, how do I not get overwhelmed by all of the prayer requests that are? And some things have been happening this year, and God has really provided a lot through finances and different opportunities that have really... Uh, made a shift for me in, in the way I, I've really seen his the reality of God and, and the reality of his provision. And so I started this year. I started kind of adding like a little clause, like a clarifier, at the end of my prayer request lately. Um, you, you know, it's just like you know, God, I really need uh, I need you to help me with this, and I believe you can supply it. Or I'll say I I, I believe you can do it. I believe you can do this. And I I just say it out loud or in my head just to kind of reaffirm to myself like. You know, I, I'm going to pray for this thing, and and he can. Like, I know he really can. I've, I've seen him do this. And so that has been um, a real big help to me. And so I had the opportunity to be working on this Orange Crest of all this big event coming up. And when it started... We, uh, by the time we got all the plans figured out as far as what was go- what it was going to be and just firmed up that it was going to happen, I, I and everything was laid out and, and I was ready to begin planning. We only had about a, m- a month left, and so I was looking at everything that needed to be done, and I, I was feeling like there's so much, there's too much, there's you know, and, and I'm like as I the more I work on it, the more I uncover about what needs to be done, and I, I started thinking about 
some things I've been noticing in the Old Testament through my quiet time. I've been noticing there's these points in the Old Testament where one guy would be able to fight off a thousand men or two thousand men, and which seems totally unrealistic. <laughs> I, I I was thinking like I don't even I don't even know how that could happen. I want them to make a movie of it so I can see how this plays out because <laughs> I don't really know. And, and I mean we see the reason why it happens is one example of this is in Joshua 23:10. There it's in, it's throughout the Old Testament in a few different places, but it says, "One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as He promised." And so I I got to thinking. I feel like I've got a thousand things to do right now, and I'm just one guy, and I feel surrounded. Um, but you know what, Lord? Like, I, I think you, I think you can do this. I think you can fight for me. I think you can help me get these things knocked out that I got to do in a, in a much faster rate than I could do if I'm just grinding it out by myself. And so. I, uh, at one point of feeling particularly overwhelmed, I, sometimes I, I, it doesn't take much for me to get overwhelmed at times, but I was in my office at work and I just closed the door and I got on the floor, I was just laying down praying, like feeling just, told, I just there's not enough time, like I don't even know how to do this and in, email inbox is full and um, so I was just praying, I just prayed this and I just said, God, I need your help because I need your help to make things go faster or for it, things to get done, you know, apart from my human ability. Um, and, I, and I know you can help me. I know that you can. So as soon as I finished praying, right after I finished praying, I got up and there was still a lot of work to do. <laughs> Nothing really happened right away because, you know, the email box was still full and there was a big list of things to do. But I, I sat down and I just, I, my, my attitude changed a little bit and I was just expecting some help along the way. And then things, you know, over the, the past few weeks, things really have started like moving rapidly. Just two days ago, I, I got a really encouraging phone call because one of the details I, I'm responsible to figure out is an issue of security because when you have 2,000 people out on this lawn out here and kids running around and stuff like that you, there's a potential for you know people to come in and want to do harm for, to our event or to people there and so it really helps if you have like a security presence where there's people walking around that are, are clearly there scanning the crowd because that deters um, people that would want to do harm and so just trying to figure out like who, who, who can do that and tra- maybe training a guy to lead that and maybe buy some equipment or communications pieces and make some shirts that say security and, and all there's basically dozens of tasks tied to this one little slice of this event but I was like we got to figure it out and then I haven't time to work on it Two, day, two days ago, I got a call from uh, a police officer because I had been trying to get in contact with the police department to get some advice on how to do it. And the guy said, yeah, I heard you guys are doing this event. just want to get some info about it. And so I told him what we were doing. And he's like, all right, well, sounds good. What I'll do is I'll give you guys um, this group. It's called the Police uh, Explorers. It's going to be a group of about 15 young men that are supervised by a police officer that will come and, and patrol the grounds. And uh, which is amazing because, uh, first of all, we get an active duty uh, police officer there who's, you know, got, of course, got access to all the others. And, and there's going to be these young men walking around, I'm sure, looking official, it, which is just what we needed because one five minute phone call totally eliminated, you know, probably a few days worth of work for me. And, you know, I just felt like there's like, you know, 250 men just, did, you know, like knocked out of the battle right there. Like, <laughs> just swing, you know, things are getting knocked out. And uh, things are like that have been happening. There's been so much work to do, and I've had to work really hard and stay late. But, but God has been providing what's needed from 
uh, other details, you know, food trucks coming together quickly and, and our, some of our entertainment. And then other people from our church just stepping up and volunteering a lot of their time or taking time off of work to be able to help with this. And so it's been um, amazing to see God answering that prayer and just knowing that when, I, when we do call out, it, it's, it, it moves things. You know, we, we have the ability to, um, in a way, move the hand of God when we ask him for help. He is wearing a shirt. He didn't tell you a little bit about this shirt and just why why we're wearing this tomorrow or why we're wearing this at the event. So. Yeah, we just got these shirts printed. These are, we're going to give these to all of our volunteers uh, to be wearing at the event. And basically, what we're doing, what we're trying to do is the whole point of this event. Uh, it's going to be a real fun time. It's going to be like a fall festival type of thing, which is great. But that is, doesn't end there because. Right now, we're, we're situated in this building. All the way around us, you know, and I think in 365 degrees, there's, or 360, there's, um, there's people in their homes right now uh, that don't know God and don't know what it's like to be able to call out for help and are, are just grinding through life on their own, just having a hard time. And we, what we want to do is we want to put on a, an event that's good enough that's high quality, that's sharp, that's just a lot of fun. Basically, a good enough excuse to get us connected to these people right here in these houses, right around us right now. Because all, all those people are incredibly important to God. Even though the people in their homes right now, they, they, maybe they don't know who God is, or they don't even know what it means to surrender their lives to Him, they're still incredibly important to God. And because of that, they're important to us. And it's worth it to us to, to go through the effort, to go through all the trouble and the cost and the, and the time to, to get in contact with them. And so basically the hope is when, you know, people come up and they see, you know, there's a field full, you know, 100 people wearing these shirts with our church name on it. And they experience a warmth of interaction and they experience uh, just a kindness and, and just a good time. It may be. Uh, that they'll be like, you know what? That was a really unusually fun experience with you know connecting with those people that are all wearing that shirt, and I may be uh, I, I may be willing to give that church a try. Which really we want people to be willing to give God a try and to really investigate this thing and find out it, that it's real. That God is so real. So that's kind of what we're looking for. I'm really looking forward. You know, the, the event planning has been hard, but you know, it's I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to, to the ways to see that God is going to use it to help us bring people to Him. Cool. Thanks, Bruce. I want to I want to invite our worship team to join us on the stage as we kind of wrap things up this morning. When it comes to these types of events, like the Orange Festival, I mean these are major points of prayer for us. And when you plan events, if you've ever been responsible for planning an event and a spiritual endeavor like this, you have options. You can just throw an event and, and, and set your expectations really low on what the, what the response will be. Or you can set the expectations high and ask God to come through. So one of the last events we did was some movie nights in the park. And we, we boldly requested of, of the Lord, God, would you help us connect with five new unchurched family units Five new family units that would be at the, at the movie nights in the park and then over time find their way into our church that we could connect with them. And we'd been praying for that. And some of you may still be praying for that. Happy to report, last week we had our fifth from that movie night in the park. And we could have just said, let's just throw the movies and pray that it, we don't have a flop of an event. But we're trying to put the focus of the events on the spiritual purpose behind it. And so um, God answers 
know, prayer that helps advance His kingdom. Prayers that are in accordance with His will. So pray bold prayers. We want to encourage you to do that. Pray bold prayers. Depend on God more and more. In a moment, our ushers are going to receive the offer. I want to pray. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for your word and the stories that are jam-packed in there to just inspire us to action, Lord. Help us not to be people who hear your word and do nothing with it. Lord, help us to be those people who hear your word and then put it into practice, living by your truth. Lord, you set you set those truths up. So, Lord, help us to trust you and rely on you. It's going to look different for us, God, because our ways are very different than your ways. Your ways are far higher than our ways. Your thoughts are far higher than our thoughts. And so, God, I pray that you would draw us to your truth. And then just help us to depend on you, Lord. For the issues we're facing right now, there are, I'm sure, challenges that people are facing in this very room that seem impossible. So, God, we present those to you, God, right now. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for the opportunity to serve together, to walk together, navigate this life together. Lord, help us to walk by faith as a church family. Not by sight, but walk by faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.